0: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. With me, as usual, is Kevin Walsh as we put the fun in functional sports content. We got a little bit of a sprint right here, right, Kev? Just an hour, and we are going to be focused on the National Football League. You know, Kev, we spent most of last week talking about the back and forth in Major League Baseball. the back and forth in the NBA. We had our guy Cam in talking golf, talking the Belmont. We had our guy Martino in talking Euro soccer. So we can't, you know, ignore the NFL. We, of course, finished up our roster resets, but there are some kind of pieces of news that crossed our desk throughout the week as well that we want to get your take on and see if there's any value to be gained. And the first of which is one that, you know, I hesitate to report. It's almost like, you know, Kev, how you're a Conor McGregor fan, right? Mm-hmm. And Conor has retired now like three times, and you're like, oh, this again? Well, yeah. I feel the same way as a Jets fan about Jamal Adams, because for the better part of the last two years, right, Kevin, there's been this, will he, trade? will he get traded? Will he not get traded? We've heard the idea of the Dallas Cowboys a bunch of times, because I believe that's where he's from. Well... It sounds like this time, straight from the horse's mouth on social media, you saw this. He kind of does want out and has, in fact, requested a trade. I will also say this, Kev. He's kind of specified the seven teams he wants to be traded to. And guess what? I'd want to get traded to most of those teams, too, right? It's the Kansas City Chiefs, sure. The Baltimore Ravens, sure. The Dallas Cowboys, where he's from, I get it. Seattle, Sure. Your Philadelphia Eagles talk about helping the secondary out, huh, Kev? The right. San Francisco 49ers. Sure. And then the Houston Texans. That's the only one of the group that I don't think is a lock solid playoff contender. But of course, I would want to go to a team that has a chance to win as well. Jamal Adams has not been in the playoffs yet yet in his jets career I have so many questions about this for you the first is do you think this actually happens
1: wow it's a tough call man um, you're right to the say there's definitely a lot to, to take in from all of this yeah. uh, and I guess the jumping on point though is like how plausible is this I, I I mean I'd lean towards I could definitely see it happening here's the thing you know I, I read a piece um, you know as this news was coming out talking about how the Jets don't have to cave to this at all. They have him under contract for this season, then the fifth-year option, then right. they can franchise tag him, and if We're they want to, they can the franchise tag, tag, tag him time. again. Right. Um, the thing is, I think the idea that they are going to be able to successfully just franchise Jamal with the way that things are going now, I, I think is, 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 a, is a bit off base. Why they just won't give him the extension is to me where I think the disconnect is. And here's why. I understand that not everybody gets their extensions after three seasons. Some do. Christian McCaffrey, same draft class, picked two spots after Jamal, got his extension. I understand why maybe it's not always the best business move. But I think this situation, like all, it's a case-by-case basis. And I would argue to you, Dane, that when I look at the Jets, and I look at someone to be a face of the franchise, a leader throughout, Yes, Sam Darnold, that comes with the, the position of being a right. quarterback. But Jamal Adams is the guy that they should be able to hang their hat on. Jamal Adams, to me, is the type of player who will go out of his way to recruit others to come and join your franchise. And if you give him 100% loyalty, which seemingly is the issue here, that he feels that he is not being valued, he believes that they were, they told him he'd get an extension, and they're like, nah, listen, there's no reason for us – to do it now. I'm not saying that the Jets don't have a point when they say we don't need to do this now. Of course, you don't need to do this now. But I would say it would be wise for them to go overboard for what is the, the most talented player on their football team, who I would argue has a positive mindset that I would want to influence other players on my team if things were going smoothly, because Jamal Adams was an incredible pick at six,
0: and it'd be a shame to see him leave under these type of circumstances. I agree with pretty much everything you just said, Kev. You know, and, and, and think about what we talk about, you know, as it related to the running backs looking for their deal, right? We kind of say both things simultaneously. We say, we understand that it is not necessarily smart to allocate that much money or that much capital to the running back position. And we also say that there are a select few that regardless of it not being smart, you still got to do it because they're above that line, right? And that's when we talk about the running back. I'm going to apply that same theory now to Jamal Adams. I agree with you that after three years and when you have the idea of the franchise and the fifth-year option at your disposal, it is not – no, you're right. The Jets don't have to do anything okay and you you're also right it's probably good business sense in most situations to not do anything in this situation but if you also acknowledge there are some players there are some fits for your team there are some ambassadors leaders flagships of the franchise that you have to do this with i agree that jamal adams qualifies as one of those people, especially for the Jets, as homegrown talent because he is vocal. He has already tried to recruit people a la Le'Veon Bell in years back. It did happen. And you're right. He, uh, he wants to be here. And he wants to be part of the solution in turning that franchise around. And as we've seen before, whether it's from that clean slate draft we did or whether it's you know on social media where people will be like, like for Jamal Adams, retweet for Derwin James. Like It is clear to me that Jamal Adams is one of the best three safeties in all of football with Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick. Like That's the answer. It's not even up for debate, right? Whether you call Adams one, two, or three, I don't give a damn, just splitting hairs. The man is an all pro, right? So he deserves it. I'm with you. He's a young ascending player, could be the face of that defense under Greg Williams. The only other player I think on that defense that has that je ne sais quoi, shall we say, is CJ Mosley, right? But he is someone who was brought in from Baltimore, albeit to be a leader, albeit to be a part of that culture. And I think he is, but he's, you know, a veteran. Jamal Adams is your guy that does this. So I absolutely agree with you that it should be done. I wonder wonder if it will be done if they're just kind of kicking the can down the road or if they are like, yeah, we'll make the move. I got to say this, though. If the Jets wanted to make the move and there are no indications that the Jets want to trade him, you know, Mm -hmm. Joe Douglas is like, I'll listen if the phone rings, but I'll listen on anything. Right yeah. so there's no indication to me that the Jets will actually make a move here, but if they were to, what would you as an Eagles fan mm. trade the Jets for Jamal Adams? if I wanted your first round pick next year, would you give it to me
1: yeah he's he's certainly worth a first round pick and from what we heard is they wanted
0: what did last they year. When Minka went from Pittsburgh – when Minka went from Miami to Pittsburgh, I know the first-round pick was involved, right, because Miami used that pick for the offensive lineman in the middle of round one this year. Was it just a first-round pick, or was it like a one and a four? Was it a one and then a two the following year as well? Because the market would have to be similar, right? I mean, Jamal Adams, I believe, may even be one year younger than Minka. Um, So you as an Eagles fan, and you would think – I know you think that your first-round pick will likely be in the 20s next year. So you would give me that? Would you give me your one this year and your two next year?
1: Yeah, so the deal for Minka was um, a a first-round pick, right, that was then swapped a fifth and a sixth for a fourth and a seventh. Okay. So some back-end movement. Late-round stuff
0: also. But Miami's first-round pick – was no was what we all knew was going to be pretty Pittsburgh. good. Excuse Pittsburgh, me, Pittsburgh. Personally. Yeah. Well, right. Miami thought it was gonna be pretty good because they still didn't have Big Ben at the time, right? So we yeah. they had the idea that it was gonna be maybe in the teens with a team like Philly or quite frankly any of the teams on Jamal Adams list, because he picked contenders. We're talking about, you know, picks that are projected mm-hmm. to be in the 20s. Yeah. Now
1: ultimately like where the Steelers pick landed and you know what we've seen is the, that apparently the Jets want a first, and then some other assets attached Something onto else. the back of it. So a first and a, a first and a second, maybe a uh, a first next year and a second the following year. Right. Could that possibly get the deal done? I, I think that's I think that's possible. I think the Jets have a nice situation here in this regard, though, which is that team list that which Jamal Adams put forward. Um, those are seven of
0: the top. Ten ish teams, maybe yeah. six of the top ten, and Houston. Houston. All six, the other six are all you know minus money to make the playoffs.
1: And at some point, I want to talk about Houston being on this list. Um, but you now have right the Chiefs and the Ravens have to be looking at each other as competitors. Oh, we can't let them go here. We can't let them the go here.
0: Race, right. Wolf Same like, exact uh-oh. thing. does and- get Jamal Adams, this could tilt the balance. Right.
1: Same exact thing for Philly and Dallas. Same exact thing. For the Niners and the Seahawks. In fact, I would almost argue to you that this seven-team list would, if like, if the Jets were like, all right, let's, what are the teams right, right, right. should get involved. Can you throw Green Bay and Minnesota on it too? Right? No, that's, that's the thing. thing. Like, this yeah. is the perfect list. Yeah, of, of potential teams that they could, you know, put New Orleans and,
0: and Tampa on them. it also.
1: Right. No, so, but that's <laughs> like, and it, and all of these teams could use the could safety the arm. Price, yeah, they like they could add a, a you know a player like Jamal Adams into their secondary and see it. As a significant boost, I think the one other thing, though, I'd like to mention, just in terms of um, you know, before we get to some of the other stuff here, because again, there's a bunch of stuff here, um, is I would have to think some Jets fans are annoyed that the report came out that he apparently will not um, force an extension on on upon the team that trades for him. What I would offer to you is I think it's a little different because now he's going to a new situation. One, they've shown him they've shown interest by trading for him right away which is something that he feels like he's, again, not getting from the Jets. And secondly, I also would wait a year if I'm going to a brand new situation to see if that's a situation that I want to be in long-term. Right. You
0: know, so it, it, there's this he goes interesting- to Houston, and then Deshaun Watson walks next offseason. Then I don't want to stay there anymore. <laughs> right. I, I think I think that Jamal Adams, in,
1: t- in this regard, has played you know the, the situation pretty well. It, it's a matter of is... Are the Jets' only options extending him or trading him? Is there some middle ground that can be found? Uh, you franchise know, I, I get uh, as I- the franchise tag? No, that's, and that, but the thing is, the franchise tag's years away. I, I mean, we're talking about a full year of him
0: getting fined, a 5th year option- You think he's, he's actually gonna hold franchise. out though if he's not traded? Because remember, you said this, he's under contract. The Jets don't have to do anything, right? You're,
1: this is the other thing that the piece mentioned is he's like, yeah, he can hold out if there's practices and he can miss games if there's games. And, and that's where
0: this is also a tough situation to kind of sift. Yeah, when you overlay the pandemic
2: and the uniqueness of this offseason, it is another wrinkle
0: Welcome back into the early line on SportsGrid. Kevin and I giving you the edge, and I'm throwing up in my mouth a little bit because our headline story here is about foundational piece of my defense, Jamal Adams, formally, I guess, finally making it known that, yes, he does want the Jets to trade him. He even went so far as to name seven teams. We were talking about how it's an intriguing list because a lot of them are like, competitive partners in the NFC West or in the AFC for the conference championship, right? Or for the NFC East. And so maybe it was artfully formed. You know, Dallas knows they don't want Philly to get him. So maybe they have to go above and beyond and try and play defense or block another team from getting him if there is truly a Jamal Adams market. But that's the case for six of the teams, Kev. The seventh is the Houston Texans, and that's one, don't get me wrong, they need help in the back half of the secondary as well. I understand that, but for a couple of reasons, I find it interesting, Kev. One is they are not the same level of contender, in my opinion, at least as the other teams on this list. You know, maybe you like some of the moves they've made. You know, I think that Brandon Cooks and David Johnson does not equal DeAndre Hopkins. And I also believe that Jamal Adams, you know, presents himself as a kind of woke dude, all right? And so I don't know if some of the things I've seen recently around Bill O'Brien fit where Jamal Adams would wanna go. Remember the back and forth with Jadeveon Clowney, remember the back and forth with Baby Mama Drama and DeAndre Hopkins. Now I know he's recently come out, Bill O'Brien, and said that, um, you know, he's gonna kneel, potentially for the anthem, but you know, if I was going to list my teams, I don't know that I would list one where Bill O'Brien, had. it's been clear, he's like judge, jury, and executioner with all of the power in Houston. And we have seen that if he don't like you, you know, you're on the way out. So I don't know um, that Houston is the best fit. Maybe that part is mm. just the Texas thing like Dallas.
1: So I would say – and maybe it is just the Texas thing. Maybe he just would love he to play to there, open. and that's a simple enough answer. But I'll also offer you four other possibilities, right? Four? Now, wow. I think, I think there's four other possibilities, and it can be a combination. One, maybe he did the Jets a favor here, and they are like, listen, just get, us, just get Bill on the phone because he might give yeah. us like, three first-round picks. get a
0: ball from him, right. You know what get I mean? Like, So just
1: do us, do us a solid. I get it. Things aren't going <laughs> great here. Help us out. That's an option.
0: Maybe he'll trade
1: as Deshaun. (laughs) Right. I think another option is that we – listen. players don't sometimes understand the league outlook as much as they think. I think it's evident through sometimes the players that turn into analysts throughout sports. They are drastically behind on sometimes, you know, advanced numbers. They believe in – play the game the fact that every every former nba player whenever anybody hits a mid-range shot goes oh analytics would be furious they don't understand anything and it's the worst and i hate it um the question is mid-range jumper is a dying art form though right yes but like when when it's made by chris paul who
0: hits it at a significant rate analytics understands what yeah, we going. don't have to get into it i'm just bel- yeah. like that is though the evolution of the nba like is why carmelo anthony's not in it anymore with the mid-range jumper no well yeah it's why carmelo had to evolve his game to
1: take a more valuable show, shot my bad no, it's all good no it's all good right but the idea that maybe like for us who know that the texans are supposed to be like the third choice team in their division maybe jamal goes they won a playoff game last year right, right there versus the chiefs This team, if you add me, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. And, and like, do I think that? No, but, like, maybe. So then the other option is Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson is someone that I would have to imagine is absolutely loved by other players in this league. He's not only incredibly talented, but he's one of the, A few quarterbacks that we saw that was out there on the front lines during uh, the protests. Mm -hmm. And I I think that just like, yeah, I'll I'll line up with that dude any day. Something I can totally buy. The last one, I go on the other side with the Bill O'Brien stuff than you. I think Bill O'Brien saying that I'm willing to go out there. and I'm not saying that erases any other issues that he's had. But a white head coach saying that I will kneel with my players. And again, I think that he did that from a sincere standpoint. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think those are the type of things that get other players in the league's attention and they go, that's a guy I'll play for. That's a guy I can trust. And again, Bill O'Brien, up to this point, not really had that kind of reputation. But I think those are the type of things that can potentially maybe even change the outlook of the Houston Texans. And I think that's also another plausible
0: reason how they landed on a list of six of the best teams in football. (laughs) Fair enough. And uh, just to check, you know, Houston is the only one of the six where the minus money is for them to not make the playoffs. They are minus 178 right now with our partners on FanDuel to not make the playoffs, plus 144 to make the playoffs. Although Jamal Adams is one of the players in the NFL that if they move teams, it will move the number a little bit. So I do think that is... Absolutely interesting. Another piece of news, unfortunately, uh, that we have to talk about is out there in San Francisco, Kev. You know, in San Francisco, uh, Debo Samuel, one of these kind of Swiss Army knife wide receivers for the San Francisco 49ers, who really did come on late last year, um, you know, towards the end there. Him and Emmanuel Sanders were kind of the two biggest wide receivers. And Debo was doing things like the end around. Debo was doing things like the wide receiver pass he is the reason I bet over two and a half players will throw the ball in the Super Bowl and boy did I almost catch it on the first drive of the game but I digress unfortunately when working out um, earlier this week and you know Kev last I checked football is still a violent game right uh, whether you're socially distancing or not so as now some of these players are starting to work out together right and starting to get themselves ready for mini camps, which we believe is going to happen about a month from now unfortunately Debo broke his foot uh, they're saying it's one of those Jones fractures he's gonna have you know he's gonna have clean it all up, fix it up, have the surgery, and it sounds like he is out, they're saying, a timetable of three to four months, all right? Now, July, August, September, that puts you at mid-September to mid-October, so potentially missing, you know, the beginning of the season. Talk to me about the impact of a loss of Debo Samuel for the defending NFC champs. Yeah, I think this is massive. I think from a fantasy perspective,
1: I'll I'll, I'll toss it to you, to to how you try and handle a guy that's going to miss four weeks, that's supposed to be pretty valuable. But what this does for the Niners, to me, it it feels significant. I don't want to overrate things. Kyle Shanahan is, again, incredible, and he has the ability to get a lot out of talent. But Debo Samuel is supposed to be wide receiver one on this football team. And they better hope that Brandon Ayuk was a pick that was worth making. I mean, we talk about him coming on last year when I saw, you know, Debo Samuel. Yeah. Um, In six of his last eight games to end the season, and that's including the three playoff matchups, he ran for 20 or more yards, uh, six again of those eight times. He had a pair of rushing touchdowns in the last two regular season games, um, which, you know, was big for them. And the receiving work was not outstanding, but you could see it was growing. And we were expecting, a, you know, somewhat of a big But he's season. greater than
0: the sum of his parts, you know, especially in that
1: offense, right? Yeah, he's he's very, very versatile. And he makes them, you know, harder to guard. So that's big. It's tough to say, like, you know, you mentioned Jamal Adams, right? He yeah. moves a team's yes-no playoff bet, things of that nature. I don't know if Debo Samuel does in the same way. He's not the big name. It's a four-week miss. But as we went through that opening schedule there, so mid-October, right? Let's take a look, actually,
0: at that this That would be schedule. at its lowest, at its furthest. That would be four sure. months out, right? And it's three right. to four months. Sometimes these athletes beat that, right? So it could, yeah. you know, it could be only missing, say, like week one. I mean, that's also potentially he could make yeah. it for the opening week. I'm not positive. They're you, saying three to four months now. If you split the difference and
1: call it sure. the first four weeks of the season, October 4th, you've got a home game versus the Cardinals the double up at MetLife, yep. Jets and Giants, and then a home Sunday nighter against the Eagles. Now, maybe that works in their favor. Two toughest games are at home. They will still be favored regardless of Debo being there or not. But yeah. if they let one of those slip and then get clipped by one of the Jets or the Giants, and it's a two and two start, and now all of a sudden we're thinking Super Bowl hangover. Oh, what all should right. we really have thought about moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, it's just, it's an, it's an I think it's a piece of news, Dane, that it'll be difficult to say how important it is, but I would tell you that there is a chance that this could make this can make a big difference in this team having the number one overall seed and playing a wild card weekend.
0: Yeah, you know, I I don't think it matters as much as you because I'm not ready to make the assumption that he's gonna miss like three or four games. I think he's gonna only miss, wind up missing like one or two. Okay, and in that situation, I don't know how much it moves the needle. I agree with you that Debo has a very particular value to the 49ers offense, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And because of that scheme, you know, they put people in different roles and Debo has a very important role. I just at this point don't know that he's going to miss as much time. From the fantasy aspect, I will also say this. You know, obviously they drafted the kid Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Another name, and I've mentioned it before, Kev, another name I just want to have on people's radar is Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd is another. And you kind of gave a little bit of a look, right? Because he is another, Kevin, as you know. Swiss Army knife dude, right? At Tennessee. He was a running back, he was a wide receiver, right? So I believe, and he was out um, for, I think, all of last year. He is back. And I think. I'm not saying that he's going to make up all of Debo Samuel, but I want people that know the name because I believe that Jalen Hurd has an opportunity to start to fill some of that Swiss Army knife role in the offense. And so definitely a name to know, especially if Debo does miss extended time. Um, I've talked about the value of Debo in this scheme, in this Mm. offense, and it's the Kyle Shanahan offense, right? We saw it in Atlanta to great effect. We're seeing it now with the run game in San Francisco. Well, the Niners are excited about it also, Kev, because they decided to extend Kyle Shanahan with a new six-year deal, and I think he deserves it, right? They have, they they are certainly on the right path. Him and L- John Lynch, the GM, are tied to the hip, have the same vision, and they've had the opportunity to implement the vision, and they are seeing the fruits of the labor. Um, sure, extend the man, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I think if you were to do uh, a
1: draft of coaches, Kosh Anahan has the chance to go number one overall from uh,
2: what From age
1: standpoint? With, yeah, with the age perspective. I think the biggest thing when I look at this, though, Dane, is just what it means for the NFC West. And when you look through that division, yeah. we've talked about it potentially being able to
0: send four yeah. to the playoffs. And think of those it, coaches, right? Two wonder kids, your first overall pick, and maybe like the the the, the grand old man in Pete Carroll, right, was the all-NFL coaches with Belichick for the last decade. Absolutely. We'll talk more about the NFC West and some other news. in
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Sports Grid. Get on the grid. All right, welcome back in, everybody. It's the early line, putting the fun and functional sports content as always. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. We were talking about, you know, Kyle Shanahan, and you know, you made an interesting point about the NFC West overall, right? And you know, I thought about it, like Wonder Kid, Sean McVay, for a little while, with a recently drafted franchise quarterback who got his extension. Cliff Kingsbury looking amazing, right, in his house at the draft pad, you know, with young first round number one overall pick Kyler Murray, right? San Francisco in a similar boat, Seattle, obviously also with a lot of stability in their brain trust as well. What do you see as the future in the NFC West, Kev? Because, you know, Shanahan's going to be there for a while at least.
1: Yeah, so I think one of the undeniable things of football, and it's maybe it's only because of what Bill and Brady have been doing forever, but I think it's just, I think it's, I think, it's, I think it's the reason why they did it is why this is fact. Nothing is more important than your quarterback head coach pairing. It's yeah. it's the most important thing in this sport. So I have an initial point that then takes me to a secondary point, but the initial point is as we look through the NFC West, right? If I offered you quarterback head coach pairings over the next three years. I think you might have, right, that you trust to still be in partnership. I think you might have four of the top five, top six pairings all in the NFC West because Goff's under contract and Sean McVay's 34. There's really no change in being made there. Cliff is 40, just came in with Kyler. And I would say after year one, people are pretty excited about what year two is going to bring. And now Kyle just got his extension. John Lynch, I'm pretty sure, gets extended every three days. And we also know Garoppolo is extended. And by the way, Kyle Shanahan is 40. So they don't seem to be going anywhere. And Pete Carroll, albeit 68 years old, seems like one of the most vibrant coaches in the league. Russell Wilson is the man in Seattle, under contract. So that, to me, like, what that means is that this NFC West, every year we do this thing, is going to be like, you think they can send all four? Right. Uh, is Russell's up this year. Russell's down this year. Is right. this the year the Cardinals pop? Oh, the Niners had a bad season. It's going to lead to a lot of trickiness. But the, the, the secondary point that kind of I, you know, and this is what happens when you start spinning your wheels and, it, you know, you start taking right, things right, right. further than they need to be. But Cliff is 40, Kyle is 40, McVeigh is 34, and T. Yeah. Carroll is 68 years old. Right. Okay? So you're talking about three coaches just being in this division right. that Russell will have to see six times a year, right? And it's just like, man, I, you know, the world where he all of a sudden can't get through them, I don't think is impossible. Pete Carroll retiring sooner than later, he's 68. I, I mean, he's
0: super vibrant. My point is here, if, Age is if, just oh, a number, and let's not do that, remember, because otherwise Greg Popovich can't come to the bubble. <laughs> well, no, listen, I'm, 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 I
1: mean, Pop is 71, and we also often talk about what, Vibrant Pop hanging up, fair, right? fair, fair. And these fair. guys are 28 years younger than yeah. him at the least. I just have started to wonder that if there becomes a situation, because somewhat, Dane, and I think you, you know, watching as, as much Seahawks football as you do, right, you would, you would have to say that – I don't know if the game's past Pete Carroll, but I think we're at a situation now where Russell helps Pete a lot more than the other way around. And their insistence on running the football while having Russell Wilson has been damning. And if there just gets a point where Russell's maybe a bit frustrated with things and Pete all of a sudden goes, and now they're in a holding pattern and they can't figure it out, and you look at the rest of this division – I think Russell Wilson not finishing his career in Seattle is more in play than I had recently thought.
0: Uh, I mean, that's interesting. When you first when was talking about teams that I would trust will have the same quarterback and coach pairing three years from now, I thought about a few others. Um, sure. I think that'll be the case in Philadelphia. Yeah. I think that'll be the case in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be the case in Buffalo. Um, and because I am a little bit higher, I, and I think Baker's going to bring it on back. I think that's going to be the case in Cleveland as well. Um, I would say New York, but I don't know about gays. Um, but it is interesting. The idea of the churn of that consistency. We've talked about it a lot, especially in this season with the pandemic and the unique kind of circumstances there. We talked about it when we were previewing your division of the NFC East Kev, right? How three of the four teams do in fact have turnover turnover at the head coach position. Mm. However, when you started talking about Russell and kind of the back end of his career, all I'll say is there were a lot of ifs in those sentences, right? You were like, if the Seahawks find a place where they can't get past these other coaches, if Pete Carroll walks away sooner rather than later, if Russell starts to get frustrated, you know, those are things that in combined to make your point are just a little bit of a bridge too far for me. And the other thing I would say is the Seahawks are one of those organizations that I believe are kind of run well. And so when Pete Carroll, um, Does decide to kind of hang them up or knows that his time is limited. I think, A, that the organization will be smart enough to have a succession plan in place. I believe, B, they'll be smart enough to have Russell Wilson be part of that conversation. And there will be no shortage of quality head coaches that would want to take over um, a team that has Russell Wilson probably still in the back half of his prime, you know? So um, while I understand what you're saying and Mm. the idea that there's a lot of new stable in that division, and then Russell may be the next one to kind of uh, cycle through, um, that's plausible, but I I don't connect all those dots in the same way. So the thing is, they're struggling
1: to kind of get through the teams now. They've not won the division the last three years. They're not favored to do so again. And again, when you watch this cycle, right, like the Niners hit a higher ceiling, then the Rams hit a higher ceiling, and now maybe the Cardinals will hit a higher ceiling. Part of the issue is I don't think they appropriately value Russell Wilson. He is one of the two best quarterbacks in football. He's ridiculously good. But they, like, they lost the Cowboys game in the playoffs simply by, by bad play calling because they just kept running the ball and then it'd be third and 10, and
0: he do something magic. Yeah, but Kev, massive. they are a perennial playoff team. Like, what do because you mean they he, can't get past them? Like, they're in the playoffs every year. They, the thing, is, right, no. So, but the thing is, they're not
1: the class of the division. They, they finished, they, again, they finished second all three years, but they've not won the division in three years. And I think the point I'm making is, that's what happens. And this when you have Russell Wilson, he's that good. Like, m- many of these years, I've looked at that roster and gone, Oh, I think they're going to bottom out.
0: We've had multiple. And Russell just doesn't allow it to happen. Yeah, he just doesn't
1: allow it. So my point is, Russell is not being lifted by his surroundings. And we are at a point in the league where that can only, I think, last so long. We're seeing more movement at that quarterback position, I think, than we're used to. Tom Brady now plays in Tampa Bay, right? Peyton didn't stay in Indianapolis. Forever. Philip Rivers.
0: Wait a second, is but that's like cult. late thirties. Okay. That's sure. the Russell. Like you're saying sooner rather than later. Are you talking about this in eight years or are you talking eight about this in years, three? If it was eight years, it's irrelevant. Within the next five, is that I think I think I could see it.
1: And to me, I, I again I, I think we have an issue here. We've also had, oh yeah, they thought about trading them to the Browns for the Baker pick. That's not long ago. They should have
0: never been considering that. Unless they were going to blow this whole thing up, right? Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say, real quick, right? Like, Russell Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers, okay, in terms of the relationship with coaches, in terms of maybe wanting to move and all that. And Aaron Rodgers is still there. And you. we've said for a while, they need to get Aaron Rodgers some help. They need to get Aaron Rodgers some help. We were lamenting the fact that they didn't get him help. He has literally been called like a coach killer on some level, right? Cycling through all the guys. And yet he's still a member of the Green Bay Packers. Like, And Russell Wilson is, I believe, so much more of a positive, optimistic ambassador, go Hawks kind of stuff that I don't know that it would even get like, what I'm saying is like, Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about may not finish with Green Bay, right? And, yeah. and I'll give you that one. And Russell Wilson is like nowhere even near that context or situation, in my opinion. I think that this Seahawks team, for some reason,
1: wants to blow this up at some point. And I just think 68-year-old Pete Carroll retiring would be that first piece. And if he retired when he was 70, now this is the thing, right? Pete Carroll might be coaching in five years because whenever I look at him, I don't think that dude's old. Right. He looks like he acts like he's like 50. He's got some energy left. Yeah. Like he 100% does. They have just felt like a team to me that has almost been waiting to blow it up. Like I remember like two to three years ago, right? When they were, we're not sure if they were going to give Russell the extension. He's like, you know what, man, get every first round pick that's ever existed and trade him for it. Why not? Right. And I just, if Pete Carroll retires and then they look at the scope of the division, right. And it's what it is now, which is in these, these really, really strong pairings that give them very high floors. I just, I wonder if there's a mutual, even, even a mutual We'll see. I-, I, can I mean, see it.
0: again, there are a lot of ifs there for me personally, and, and two or three years down the road, who knows if the McVeigh and Goff experiment are really working, like they've been taking steps back, we don't know, I, I understand your point, the idea that in some point in the future, Russell could look around and say, hey, wait a second, I might not be in the best place. I personally um, don't go all that way. I don't think all of the conditionals will be met. I do want to move to one more story, though, here, and it's a former Seahawk. It's a former Seahawk. Uh, Josh Gordon, who had some time with Seattle, with New England, he and another kind of like... um, you know, groundhog Story day story, right? We talk about Conor McGregor's retirement, Jamal Adams wanting a trade. Well, Josh Gordon is applying for reinstatement. Um, we all know about this. At this point, he led the league in receiving, what was it, like 2012 or 13, like seven or eight years ago, but he is still only 29 years old, Kev. And when I think about even like, Some of his former teams, like New England, they could use a wide receiver with the talent of Josh Gordon. Does Josh Gordon make it back? Like, we've been talking about Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, Antonio Brown. Does Josh Gordon uh, suit up this year? I mean, based on what we've seen from Josh Gordon's
1: career, yes, because this sees seemingly the pattern. He gets back in. I, I, I have to tell you, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I totally forgot he got suspended. I totally mm. forgot that that was like a thing." And I get it's just like it's become so common. And look, there's there's so many different things that's happened with Josh Gordon. Right? I remember I think once he he like lost the season because he had a sip of alcohol
0: on a yeah. flight home. It, it is like, a little different than Antonio Brown, and I do want to make the point and compare and contrast. Sorry
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: welcome back in everybody it's the early line the freaking weekend baby i'm about to have me some fun are you an r kelly fan I guess that's a loaded question these days, huh, Kev? We'll not get into that. But in (laughs) any event, uh, we were talking about the NFC West and how, you know, you got some young coaches in there, some young quarterback pairings in there. That could be – you know how, uh, Kev, we talk about like with the soccer draw, the group of death, right? Like the NFC West could prove to be like the group of death for a while, if these coach and quarterback pairings who are all young, you know, kind of progress, and then, you know, we kind of have more faith and trust. You know, there's some teams, and we've talked about this, right? When we were doing our draft recaps, Kev, like we didn't agree with all the Patriots selections, but we gave them the benefit of the doubt. We didn't yeah. agree with some of the Seahawks selections, but they are sort of a team we give the benefit of the doubt to as well. So the NFC West is certainly prime to be a uh, very competitive division for years to come. You know, uh, Kev, we bring in guests. We had a couple of beat reporters when we were doing our team by team. We had someone come in, talk Atlanta Falcons with us. We had someone come in, talk Buffalo Bills with us. That was our guy, Ryan Talbot. And, you know, I I then become a fan of people we bring on and try to follow their work. And he had a nice piece on newyorkupstate.com that I thought was interesting, you know, focused around... A potential diamond in the rough for us. Mm. At the tight end position, Dawson Knox. He went through some of Dawson Knox's, you know, kind of his trajectory. McDermott says he really expects bigger things from him this year, but he's got to cut the drops out. Okay. He had something, he had double digit drops, I believe, last year. And, you know, Talbot was kind of making the point that if he cleans that up and is available on the field, there is a universe where Dawson Knox could be fantasy relevant, could be in that tier we always talk about. And remember how, Kev, I talk about uh, Gabriel Davis, their draft pick out of UCF, and one Mm -hmm. of the reasons I like him— it's because he's a bigger body. You know, Diggs, Beasley, Smoke Brown, all smaller wide receivers. Knox fits into the category of someone who could be the red zone target, could be that middle of the field preference for Josh Allen. You buy what a boy Talbot is saying? Yeah, I think, you know, so Dawson Knox
1: again is kind of an honorary member of NWO. Uh, he was a part of that right. old miss team.
0: With DK Metcalf and uh, AJ, AJ Brown, right? AJ Brown,
1: yep, yeah. So, and someone get Demarcus Lodge a job, please. Um, but Dawson Knox is there's talent there. There's talent there for sure. Yes, you've got to cut out the drops. I, it, you know, the interesting thing to me is, are we looking at a a, a fantasy situation where they're loaded, like Curd-wise? Josh Allen? Josh, no, 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 like. The Bills are an amazing fantasy team. Like Josh Allen's a QB eight. Stephon Diggs is a wide receiver okay, too. Yeah. John Brown is a fringe wide out two. I don't remember exactly where I he think landed. Brown was
0: probably lower than that, but go okay. ahead. Uh, Devin Singletary is high up boards. We've the been Singletary excited. The Moss thing, remember, I find interesting. One of the other things Talbot told us was that Moss could really hit yeah. the ground running and that could be more of a timeshare. But I, to your, your your point, is well taken. I guess the question is. So I, I've, I think
1: I've told. I don't remember how I told the story to you on air, or off air. But I was once at um, one of those. I think it was a, a GST live draft, right? And you know, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, so I day. am, by the way, the defending GST champion, which is amazing guess to what hear. You know. So um, the thing is, for me, right, it was like my first I time I was John ever
0: quarterback and drafted Lamar in the ninth round which was the cheat code to win leagues
1: last year, if we call it what it is. And that's why someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chew your ear off about a DFS season-long league, um, yeah. but we'll wait until we get to that. But I was sitting there and I was watching the draft unfold, right? Now, and again, for me, you know, it's much newer into the, the fantasy business, right? I mean, these are people who legitimately are like, Fair. you know, the top fantasy guys in the league. And I'm watching Kirk Cousins' option after Kirk Cousins' option fly off the board. This is when he was in Washington. And I'm like, no one is owning Kirk Cousins. Nobody here thinks so. Her. Yeah. But I'm like, but I'm like, nobody here's owned Kirk Cousins. Nobody here thinks highly of Kirk Cousins. I, like, this is wild right. to me as right. you know, Jordan Reed and Jamison Crowder and, yeah, every yeah, and whoever it might have been just flew that. off the board. So I look at the Bills' wide receivers options. And does Dawson Knox have talent he could bring to the table? Yes. Am I exci- does, Is Stefan Diggs a super talented wide receiver? 100 percent John Brown was awesome last year. But I just we know that Josh Allen is limited as a passer. So the question is, is Josh Allen about to break out in a big way, or are we safer being lower as a
0: whole on all of these Bills' weapons? Um, I lean towards the Josh Allen breakout. Um, that's the way I lean, and I have to be consistent, right? This is that year three quarterback. I'm leaning towards a Sam Darnold breakout. I'm leaning towards Baker Mayfield getting back into it, right? So I've got to think the same thing with Josh Allen. When we were covering the Bills, Kev, I said, you know, job one was for them to get Josh Allen some toys, right? Mm -hmm. Because he did take them to the playoffs last year. They do have an above-average defense. And I thought Josh Allen was taking the steps you expect to see out of a second-year quarterback. And we talked about how the need for Buffalo was to go out and get, like, more high-octane, right? Mm -hmm. They did so with mostly Stephon Diggs getting the kid Moss in the draft as well. And now I think they have a stable of solid weapons, right? You know, Diggs, Smoke Brown, Beasley in the slot, solid. Singletary, a kid who came on last year. Moss, a rookie who people like, solid. You know, Knox, solid, right? But as for Dawson Knox specifically, I don't think I can get behind his fantasy potential value personally, Kev. Part of it is because of what we're just saying now, right? Mm-hmm. There's other weapons there now for Stephon Diggs. You know, Knox was there last year as, I don't wanna say last man standing, cause it was an injury, but you know, he became one of the better options. And I don't think that's going to be the case with Stephon Diggs on the field and a different kind of game flow. And also, because if you look at it at the very end of the season, also, it's it's not impressive to have one catch for 33 yards, one catch for 11 yards, one catch for 37 yards. So maybe you like the fact that his catches are going 30 yards, but come on. I mean, and look at the targets, which is really what I'm looking for in tight end, right? In the targets... There were two games where he had four targets, one, two games with five, but most of it is one target, one target, two targets, three targets. That's not the opportunity mm-hmm. that I'm going to want in my tight end. I bet Dawson Knox could be a good player for the Bills, but not for my fantasy team, personally, is my opinion. He's free. So yeah. the thing
1: is, if you wanted to, and what I mean by free is you can get your last pick in every draft. Right. Uh, if you wanted to just... Toss him on there because he is coming into year two. We That's know fair. tight ends year one is usually not so a it's great like situation. Robinson,
0: though, coming uh, into year two. Yeah. You know.
1: I mean, he's, I don't know if you have, I mean, I have one. I'll bring up Knox 80. right now. I have You're, one ADP source that has him uh, as tight end 29. So
0: 27. Okay. okay. So we're talking about the same thing. To your point he's free, right? So in a 12-team leagues, I don't know many people that are drafting two tight ends, right? But even if I go so far as the number 14 or 15, right, and I think about other tight ends that you can have for free. There are plenty that I would take over Dawson Knox. Here's a couple just to name a few. Jonu Smith in Tennessee, Jack Doyle in Indianapolis, your boy Dallas Goddard in Philly, Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh, Ian Thomas in Carolina, the breakout of Chris Herndon with the Jets, potentially even Blake Jarwin in Dallas now with no Witten anymore. So yes... Knox fits into that category, but I don't know that he's my preferred option of all of those. That I didn't even mention guys like Noah Fant, Hayden, Hurst, which are also below number 12.
1: And honestly, to me, like I think we've run our course here with Dawson Knox. Again, if you're someone that's going to find him as a sleeper, it's free, right? Right. But you you did give a name out there that we have – we never – I don't know if we really talked about enough, and it was Eric Ebron. Ah. I
2: mean,
1: Eric Ebron was – was pretty good last year, if yes. I remember correctly. He now well, goes he to, It was the year before that. He had like 13 it was year before that he. Okay. The year yeah. before that, he had popped off. Yeah. I just think him going to Pittsburgh, where Big Ben does like the tight yeah. end, I, I yeah. mean...
0: I what, agree. You know, and what tight end number do you got him there? 19. The issue for I me... Mean... The issue for me, and I like that also. I think that's a good thing to identify. By my account, they also had Vance McDonald still. Um, And I agree with you. I know. I think Ebron is better. But in any way, if there's the two tight end set going on, like in Indy last year, it was Ebron and Doyle. Mm -hmm. The year before that, when Ebron popped off, that's when Doyle was hurt. You know what I mean? So any team that's got a legit two tight ends, I may look elsewhere. Now, if Ebron becomes the guy who is the clear lead and Big Ben's favorite security blanket, you're absolutely right. So maybe that is worth a flyer. The last thing I want to mention here on the early line, you know, we were talking, I believe it was yesterday, about, you know, how the owners in baseball didn't maybe want to go into October. And we had cautionary words from Dr. Anthony Fauci. And it was about, you know, October, the fall, we're gonna have a fall wave, I don't know, expressing some concern. And we thought about it, well, what does that mean for the NFL? Right? And uh, we're starting to hear a little bit more. Um, there was a back and forth on social media. You could see it in some papers. I saw it in the Oregonian. Fauci is in essence saying the NFL is probably gonna have to have bubbles. Um, If they want to go, you know, this idea of traveling around and all this stuff, whether it's open air or not, is a concern to Fauci. And, you know, he's kind of starting to say this more and more. Um, I know different people have different opinions on if we're beating this virus or not, what the curve looks like, what the curve is going to look like. Mm. But, Kev... He said pretty clearly that it's a concern for him, and he doesn't know if the NFL could really go unless it is in some kind of bubble approach like we're seeing with some other sports.
1: Yeah, this is the toughest thing about all of this is it's also at a period where we're like, oh, maybe our our, our fans back. We don't know what to do. Right. I guess the, the one thing I would say is, can they go? They take divisions by their location. So the East goes with the East, North, so like on basically. and so forth. Yeah. And they bubble it up, and you go for – I mean, what is that? They've got seven teams then that they'd be able to play. That's a 14-game schedule you'd have to play. For example, the Cowboys would right, play right, right. the NFC East twice and the AFC East twice and 14 games, and you just make a playoff based That's on awesome. that. I mean, people – by the way, it would show just kind of how silly it is that the Cowboys are in the East. It's just like <laughs> a suit, well, like it's Like, like the Pirates and
0: the Braves might flip-flop, you know? The same kind of thing might happen in some football realignment. But- yeah. Where you have to, like, yeah. Like there you was didn't a time have- when the Atlanta Falcons were in the NFC West. Right. Like, you've got the South has two,
1: between the AFC and the NFC, two Florida teams. The East has another one of them. Like,
0: yeah, they'd have to figure awesome. something out to get those teams all together in a bubble. But, yeah, like, it's possible. confidence meter then, like, Kev? Let's end the weekend on that. Oh, What's gosh. your confidence meter about, like, standard NFL happening? Let's go with a seven
1: because it's a good number. And I don't even know if I believe that.
0: I don't even know Remember what I Remember that number because we will see what Kevin's confidence meter looks like as we evolve and as we learn more. We'll be back for a brand new week on Monday. It's the weekend edition of The Early Line. For Kevin, I'm Dane. Have a great weekend, everybody.